name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Proverbs 24, 26 is a thought-provoking verse, and this is what it says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Now, what does that mean? What is the connection between uh, a kiss on the lips and an honest answer? I want to suggest to you these three things. Number one, just as uh, a kiss on the lips is relatively rare, so maybe the author of Proverbs means that an honest answer is maybe a rare thing. Maybe just as a kiss on the lips means more than a kiss on the cheek, I can definitely assure you that an honest answer means more than an answer that's not grounded in truth. And finally, I'd suggest that maybe the author means that uh, just as a kiss on the lips can be deeply satisfying, so an answer grounded in truth is profoundly rewarding. An honest answer is as rare and as valuable and as satisfying as a kiss on the lips. This morning, we're going to be talking about growing our character some more. In fact, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about growing our character. And as we've already said, last week we began talking about growing in love. This week, we want to talk about growing uh, in honesty. And if I might more broadly uh, place that, I want us to grow in integrity. And that's the character quality that we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to challenging, challenge us this week to grow our integrity and, uh, and what a kiss on the lips our integrity really is. So let's, def- let's start this morning by defining our terms. The word uh, integ- integrity comes from the same Latin root uh, from which we get the word integer, integer. Is that how you say it, integer? Integer, sorry for all you math people. <laughs> which implies a whole number that can't be divided except by anything but itself. So integrity comes from the same root as that. And it, and it has the idea or connotes the idea that we are an undivided person. We are a whole person. Meaning that uh, we are not a different person depending on different circumstances. A person of integrity is a person who's the same in private as they are in public. It's uh, being true to one's standards. I guess we could say that a person of integrity is a person who is honest, sincere, incorruptible. It's the opposite of, uh, of hypocrisy. Let me give you a story to sort of start us off this morning and illustrate integrity. A successful businessman was coming to the end of, uh, of his tenure as the leader of his company, and he was trying to find a replacement for himself. And uh, so he decided that he was going to get his replacement from his young executives and not from his directors or even from his children. And uh, so he invited all his executives to come in, and he gave them all a seed, and this is what he told them. He said, grow the seed at the end of next year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a CEO based on, I'm going to pick somebody to lead my company based on, uh, on the plants that you bring back after, uh, after a year. And uh, so they all took their seed home, and Jim, one of the uh, executives, took his seed home, and uh, he did everything. He you know, got the potting soil and, and just all the kind of stuff, miracle grow, I'm sure, but nothing he did made his seed grow. 
And after a week, a month, there was nothing growing. And uh, he just realized, he said, I must have killed my seed. And, but he kept faithfully watering the whole thing. Uh, six months went by, still nothing. A year went by, and the executive invited all these young executives to come back in with their plants. And uh, of course, Jim told his wife, I'm not taking my empty pot in. Uh, but he did, took his empty pot in anyway. And uh, everybody else had these wonderful flowers. He said there was all kinds of varieties of plants uh, that were there that day. And uh, so, but there was, he was the only one with an, an empty pot. And so when the CEO brought everybody in, uh, Jim was hiding at the back, didn't want him to see his pot, uh, but he saw it anyway, and he had everybody sit down and invited Jim to come to the front. He thought he was going to make fun of him, but instead, this, uh, this chief executive officer said, I, uh, he asked Jim about his plant, Jim told him the truth, and he told everybody, he said, everybody, I want you to meet your new CEO. And of course, Jim is astounded, so is everyone else. And this is what the CEO said. One year ago, I gave everyone in this room a seed. I told you to take the seed, plant it, water it, and bring it back uh, to me today. But I gave you all boiled seeds. They were all dead. It was not possible for any of them to grow. All of you except Jim have brought me trees and plants and flowers. When you found the seed would not grow, you substituted another seed for the one I gave you. Jim is the only one with the courage and honesty to bring me a pot with my seed in it. Therefore, he is now going to be our chief executive officer. Now that is an illustration of integrity. So how does integrity show itself in my life and in your life? That's a question, right? How, how if we want to grow in integrity, what is it that we're looking for in, uh, in, in each other? And the thing that we're going to be looking for, if, if, if I might suggest, it is going to be that we're going to look for honesty in each other. We're going to look for, we're going to look for each of us to speak the truth and to live the truth in our life all the time and uh, sincerely. And that doesn't mean we don't fail, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment, but, but it, is, it is that we are honest, that we, are, we speak the truth and we live the truth in our lives. So our Bible says something like this, Colossians 3.9, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Ephesians 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. James 3.17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And finally, Proverbs 12.22, and there are more verses. These are just some that I've picked up, picked out. Proverbs 12.22 says, the, the Lord detests lying, li lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. So for just a few moments, I'd like to share with you why it is that you should seek to grow in integrity, why you should develop your integrity, your wholeness, your truthfulness. And I want to give you four reasons that hopefully, you remember the whole point of this series is let's grow our character. So the whole point of today's talk is let's grow in the character quality of integrity. All right, why should you do that? We'll give you four reasons. Number one, because God rewards our integrity. Here's, here's what it says in 1 Kings 9, 4 to 5. God is speaking to Solomon, who followed his father David. He said, as for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I've commanded and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. One of the things that God tells Solomon is, I'm going to reward your integrity. 
I'm going to bless you for your integrity if you have the integrity of David. Now, here's, here's, here me take a tangent thought and just say, let's be honest, David wasn't always a person of integrity, right? He really blew it. But evidently, there's something about David's life that he lived, apart from a time of failure or a point of failure, he lived a life of truthfulness, of integrity, all right? So it, um, what I'm saying to us by that is that there's going to be times where we're going to fail, In fact, I'm going to share some of my own failures with you today, and I'm going to suggest that probably everybody in this room has failed maybe even this past week when it comes to the issue of integrity. So I'm not talking, we're not talking about perfection, we're talking about uh, progress. We're talking about us becoming better in the way of integrity or better in the character quality of integrity. David said, God said, or David said, excuse me, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 17, he says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. So David says two things. Number one, God's going to test your integrity. And number two, God's pleased when he finds it. All right? So God's going to test it and God is pleased with it. And, And I think one of the people that we see that in in the Old Testament would be Daniel, right? You remember Daniel? He's the prophet of God. He prays every, every day a certain way. They use it against him. So that if he's caught praying again, he's going to be thrown to the lions. And you'll remember that Daniel, what does he do? He goes home and he does what integrity does. He does what he has always done. He doesn't change his ways. And so what ends up happening, he, of course, he's in the lion's den and God rescues him from the lions. I just read you a story about Jim who God rewarded for his integrity. But let's be honest, it doesn't always work that way, does it? If I walk in integrity, it doesn't mean that I always am rewarded now. You know, uh, I I read a story this week about a a businessman, a salesman on the brink of retirement. And uh, if he just fudges about his product, he will get $100,000 in commission as he ends his career, right? But he has to fudge about their product and make it sound like it'll, it'll really work for this guy, but he can't do that because he's a person of integrity. So he tells the potential client about his product, and he tries to sell him, but he tells the truth about his product, and the guy doesn't buy his product because he's being a man of integrity. My point is, it doesn't always, you're not always rewarded now for your integrity, but don't miss this. My point is, why should you grow your integrity? Because your integrity will be rewarded. And if it's not rewarded now, it will be rewarded in in the life to come. I mean, it's going to be rewarded in God's kingdom to come. You remember Jesus, uh, remember what Jesus tells us. He says, store up your treasures up in heaven with me. You know, where the, where the moth doesn't, uh, where the moth doesn't uh, destroy it, the thief can't get it, you can't lose it, it doesn't depreciate. Store up your treasures with me because you'll be rewarded in the kingdom to come. And number two, here's a second reason why you should grow your integrity. Integrity brings security, peace to our lives. Proverbs 10.9 says, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes Crooked paths will be found out. So here's what I think the author of Proverbs, what Solomon means. I think he means that if you walk in integrity, you don't have to worry about what you've said back then 
or what you've done back then. So you can just walk securely. You can walk at peace in your life if you're walking in integrity. If you're not walking integrity, your crooked paths will be found out. And you're always going to be worried about that. And you're never going to be walk, walking in, in security or in peace. Let's face it. When I'm not being a man of, or a woman of integrity, I'm always worried that somebody's going to find me out. I'm always worried that I'm going to say something that I uh, shouldn't say. I've told the story before, but when I was young, uh, my grandfather gave me a motor for my boat. And uh, my granddaddy was old. He wasn't ever going out on the water, didn't have a boat anymore. He just had a motor. And uh, so, but his motor was too small for my boat. And so I sold his motor. But I didn't get his permission to sell his motor. I sold his motor. I'm a young 19-year-old college student, and I sell his motor. And I buy another motor, and I get ripped off because the guy who sold me that motor had a cracked block. I didn't know any better. I got ripped off. But you know what? My granddaddy kept asking me about his motor. How's the motor working, Jimmy? How's it going with my motor? And I would lie about his motor because I didn't want to tell him that I had sold his motor. Finally, granddaddy pinned me down and he actually said, you sold my motor, didn't you? <laughs> and, uh, and I had to tell the truth. But I, I want to tell you something about that experience. After I told my grandfather the, the peace that came over me from not walking in duplicity, was, uh, was something I should have done a long time ago. Actually, I should have never done it that way. I should have asked my grandfather to start with, right? But integrity, integrity will bring security and peace to your life. Number three, the reason why you should grow your integrity is because integrity is a guiding principle in your life. All right, integrity will lead you. It'll guide you. So Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. In other words, you know, integrity is the North Star of navigation for us in our lives. It's, it's how we direct our lives. If I will just be a person of integrity, I will always know which way to turn. Two businessmen sell their business. It's a profitable business. or They sell it to a guy on a Friday. They shake hands. On Saturday, a guy calls and wants to buy their business and offer them so much more money. And so they've got a choice. I mean, they've given their word. They sold their business on Friday to a guy, and another guy wants to give them a whole lot more money. And um, according to their testimony, they struggled with it a little bit. But on Monday, they called the guy up and said, no, I'm sorry, we've already sold the business. You see, so why would they make that decision? Because, because the guiding principle in their life was integrity. And I want to tell you, if you and I will grow our integrity, it will always, it'll always tell us what to do. If we'll be truthful to ourselves and, and as followers of Jesus, if we'll be truthful to Jesus, we're, we're always going to know what to do. We're going to have the path set right in front of us. Integrity guides us in the way we ought to go. But I've saved the most important reason why you should choose integrity to this last one. And here it is. The reason why every one of us should leave this morning, because this is the specific pertinent challenge that I'm giving us, grow your integrity. Every one of us in this room who follows Jesus should leave wanting to do that because Jesus was a man of integrity. In other words, the, 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 whole, the, whole, the whole ball of wax for me and you as a follower of Jesus, I want to be like him. You know, you know, I remember my children, I think anyway, when they were little, wanted to be like me. I don't know if they want to be like me now, but when they, when they were little, they kind of wanted to be like me. Little children want to be like their daddies. We should want to be like our Savior. Here's what it says about Jesus. They came, some of the Pharisees came to, to trick Jesus, if you would, and they used his integrity. They start off and they say, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. 
That's the, that's the testimony of, their en- of his enemies. We know you're, a, te- you're a, a person of integrity. And then they go on to say, you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Integrity means you tell the truth, you do the truth, and it doesn't matter who's involved, what you're going to gain. It doesn't matter if it's a politician, a powerful person, or a lowly person. You are the same person. And you treat them both the same. That's what integrity does. And that's who Jesus was. My point is simply this. The reason why you should be a person of integrity is because Jesus was. And you claim to be his followers. We claim to be his followers. And if we are, then integrity ought to guide our life. One of the things that the Bible is pretty clear about is that one day God has predestined, okay, There are things that God has predestined to come about. It is predestined that Jesus will come back. It is predetermined. It is happening, all right? One of the things that God has predetermined and predestined is that you and I will be conformed to the image of Jesus. In other words, God's going to make us like his son. Now, I think that's in the resurrection. I think that in, in the new, when God raises us from the dead, gives us a new glorified body likened to our saviors, I, I think we will not have the pr- sin principle that we struggle with now, okay? And we're going to be conformed to his image. But the goal, even now, is to be like Jesus. He was a person of integrity. You grow your integrity. Thomas Obadiah Chisholm was a Methodist pastor, but he was, he was kind of like Fanny Crosby. He wrote all kinds of songs. And one of his songs was called, I Want to Be Like Jesus. Listen to this verse. I have one deep supreme desire that I may be like Jesus. To this I fervently aspire that I may be like Jesus. I want my heart his throne to be so that a watchful world may see his likeness shining forth in me. I want to be like Jesus. So here's a rhetorical question for me and for you. I mean, do you really want to be like Jesus? I mean, does that, does that thought, is that, a, is that a North Star thought for you? Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you think about that? Man, am I like Jesus? What do I need to change? How do I need to be if I'm going to be like Jesus? All right, that's four reasons why we ought to grow in integrity. Now, I want to, what I'd like to do in the, in the second half of this talk is I'd like to share with you some practical helps in growing our integrity this coming week, okay? I know these are different kinds of talks than, than the normal going through the books of the Bible, but, uh, but hopefully they're going to be helpful to us. All right, so I got some practical things I want to say to you about how to grow integrity this coming week. All right, here's my first one. Growing our integrity is going to begin by you and me deciding that I want to grow in integrity. I, I could say this with every point, and I will not, but, but it, it just came out in my notes for this week, right? That if, if you and I are going to grow in integrity, it has to begin with a decision. It has to begin with you and I choosing to say, I want to grow in integrity. If you want to grow in love, you've got to make a decision. I am going to be loving this week. Now, I woke up Monday morning, and I said, man, love does. What can I do? And I made the bed, all right? So uh, that was my love does. That was my first on my love does list, right? I made the bed, because that's normally something Ann does, but I thought I'd make the bed this morning, right? So my point is, if you're going to grow in love, if you're going to grow in integrity, it begins with you choosing, you making a choice. Now, now please hear me. Here, please hear what I'm going to say now, because I know if it was, if it was easy as making a cho- choice, none of us would be overweight, would we? 
But when I look around, there's a lot of overweight people. And I'm starting right here. I'm looking right here, okay? So why are we overweight? Because making a choice isn't all that easy, right? Just to say, well, I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be overweight. I'm going to eat right. I mean, it's one thing to say that, right? It's another to live it out. So I, I recognize it. I also recognize that choices that we make are, are, are definitely empowered a lot of times when we make them emotionally. In other words, if I, if I am emotional about a choice I make, I tend to have a lot, of, a lot more force or power behind it, at least for a little while, right? So with all of those caveats, nonetheless, you know, everything really begins with a choice and it continues to grow with more and more choices. So I'm asking you today to choose. I want to grow in integrity. I want to be different in this area of integrity. And hopefully some of the examples I give are going to challenge some of our thinking in this realm, okay? But, uh, but I, it begins with a choice and then it continues with you making these choices day after day, moment after moment. I'm going to be a person of integrity. It's not a one and done deal. It's a one choice. It begins with a choice, but it has to continue with all kinds of choices. And can I say this? God, God blesses integrity. God says that integrity brings security to my life. Integrity is a guiding principle in my life. Integrity makes me like Jesus. Why would you not want to say today, God, I want to grow in integrity. Why would you not make that choice this morning? Even though as flawed as our wills are and as hard as it might be to do that, um, you remember Jesus even said to his disciples, the inner man's willing, but the outer man, you know, he's not. Paul said, I have this internal struggle between what I want to do and what I actually do. So we all know it, right? Our wills are not this, they just, our wills are broken. And, and so we just, but, but would you make a choice with me this morning to say, I want to grow in, in integrity. I want to become different in this realm. All right. So begin there. Here's my second Here's my second help, if you would. Choose today to start being brutally honest with yourself first and with others also. No more white lies. No more exaggerations. And no more spinning the truth to make yourself look better than you are. If you want to grow in integrity, you've got to start by telling the truth always, clearly, and completely. So let's start today by being honest with ourselves, brutally honest with ourselves. In fact, I think the lies that we tell ourselves are the most deadly. You know why? Because if I tell myself a lie and I believe my own lie, then I'm never going to change and I'm never going to deal with reality. So the lies that I tell myself are the, are the deadliest, okay? So in other words, let's get honest with ourselves first. Stop justifying the wrongs we're doing. Stop excusing ourselves and start telling ourselves the truth. I was wrong. I sinned. I messed up. It was my fault. Instead of, instead of trying to blame someone else, deal with yourself and the stuff about yourself. I've told, you know, all these stories I've told before. So, hey, I'm not going to say it again. I've told all my stories. You always heard them, okay? The pastor, after church, he's accosted by somebody at the door. And the guy is really just berating him for things he's done wrong. When the guy walks off, everybody is standing around him and says, oh, pastor, ignore him, ignore him, ignore him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and this godly pastor said, listen, if God can speak through a jackass, God can speak through him, right? And so therefore, I'm going to ask God if there's any truth in what he's saying. I'm, I'm telling you, listen, if we're going to grow in integrity, you've got to get honest with yourself. And you've got to listen to what folks are saying. And that doesn't mean they're always right, okay? But be ruthlessly honest with yourself. But also be ruthlessly honest with others. Uh, 
maybe I shouldn't say ruthlessly, be, be just completely, clearly honest with other people. A dad uh, wants to talk to the pastor about his son who's on drugs. And so the, the dad starts talking to the pastor and he says, you know, the hardest thing about my son being on drugs is that he's become a liar. And I can't believe anything he says. About that moment, the phone rings and uh, his wife says, it's so-and-so. And the dad yells back over his shoulder, just tell him I'm not home. Tell him I'm not home. So that man wasn't honest. That man was a liar. And you would say, well, that's just a little white lie. It was easier to say I'm not home than, you know, whatever. But that's, that's a lie, right? And so I wonder whether it's the drugs that taught the boy to lie or whether it's daddy that taught the boy, you know, to lie. I've worked in sales, you know, for probably the last 12 years. I think most of y'all know this, but I go and make a presentation maybe once every week or so at a real estate office. And, uh, and so I'm in a sales business now. One of the things I've learned about sales is that everybody's expected to not tell the truth in sales. Uh, you exaggerate your product. You, exa- you, you make up stories. So I was given all these stories to tell about our product. And I would, and I would ask the question, is this a real story? Because I'm not going to tell it if it's not a real story. And I was told that as long as the principle is true, the story's okay. <laughs> what does that mean? As long as the principle is true, the story's okay. I think what that means, well, as long as this could have been a real story, it's okay to tell it, right? No, that's not how it works, folks. We need to, in business and in life, we need to be honest, but here, here's where I'm really going really to dig, and that is um, we, we need to be honest about ourselves with others. And so we need to not, we need to not fudge and spin and, and just try to cover up our failures and our foibles with, with things that make us look better than we are. Probably you newer folks won't remember this, but, but uh, some of you will. I was, I was supposed to go overseas, and I was leaving in a few days, and I lost my passport. I even sent an email out to everybody in the church to pray, and Beverly was tearing everything up trying to find my passport. I could not find it. And I'm at home by myself in the afternoon, and I'm just like, what do I do? Do I go? To, I got to go to D.C., get another passport. And I, I was sitting in my chair, and I put my hand down like this, and I had cargo pants on. You know, the ones like 30 pockets on them. And my hand hit something hard in this pocket down here, and it was my passport. So I had two emotions immediately. One of them was relief, and the other one was shame. I was so embarrassed that I had my passport had been in my pocket the whole time when everybody had been looking so hard for it. And you know, my thir- first thought was, well, I'm going to go put it in the, in the garage. And then I'm going to pretend when Ann is home that I find it in the garage. No, seriously, that's what crossed my mind. And I seriously thought about doing that. But, um, but I didn't do that. I won that battle and I told the truth to my shame, right? Embarrassment. Uh, but that's not always been the case. I, I have not always won. And this is an old time Example, I, I'm sure I've got more modern ones, but this is, you know, more contemporary ones, but this is the one that came to mind. I think it was because it was so big in my life, but Ronnie Atkins, so this goes how far back this goes, but Ronnie Atkins called me and asked me to do something, and I forgot. Typical, right? I forgot. And that evening, he came by the office, and he said, Jimmy, did you do what I asked you to do? And I said, yeah, thinking, yeah, thinking that would be the end of it. But he asked me another question, and I had to lie, because I just told him that I had done it. And so I made up a lie, 
And then he asked me another question. And I made up another lie. And then he asked me another question. Like, what did they say? What, did, what was this? What was that? And I think I told like four or five lies in a row. And uh, so when we're leaving, I'm walking, I'm, my office is upstairs. I'm walking downstairs with Ronnie. And I remember I felt like the Lord spoke to me. If you let him walk out the door with all of those lies, and I don't remember what, what God was going to do. Or, you know, I just, just remember God saying, you're not going to let him walk out the door. So we got down by the glass doors. He's about to leave. I said, Ronnie, stop. I said, man, I just lied to you. I, I forgot to do what you asked me to do. And he said, what about all those questions? I said, I just kept lying and kept lying. Now I have not only the shame of not doing what I've been asked and told to do, but now I have the shame of having lied a whole bunch of times about, about that. So I have the shame of both of those things. And, and I guess, you know, there's been times where I haven't corrected myself. But, but you know what is so easy for us to try to make ourselves look better, maybe not by outright, outright lying like I was doing in that case, but we spin it to make it sound better than we, than we, uh, than we did, than it is. And, uh, and I find myself doing that a lot. And so I have to stop. And this is what I'm urging you. If you do this as well, I'm urging you to stop doing that. I'm urging, urging you to recognize that. And if you do that, and if you lie or spin or do anything to make yourself look better than you are, then stop and own it. You know, and this takes practice, everyone, I'm telling you, because maybe because I'm bringing it up today, this afternoon, you'll find yourself in a situation where you just did it. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God will say, no, that really wasn't true. You just really, you just exaggerated that. You just lied there. And you're going to have a choice at that moment. What do you do? And this is where, this is where you have to get honest and say to the person, look, I, uh, I, I just really wasn't exactly truthful there just then. I, I, I said, I made it look sound better than it was. So I really want to challenge you this morning. Number one is start with the decision. Number two, be, be honest with yourself and with others. Number three, here, here's my third practical thing to help us grow in integrity. It would be commit yourself to keep your word no matter what the cost. If you give your word, keep your word. All right, that's how we grow in integrity. Uh, Matthew 5.33, again, you know this, but it says again, this is Jesus speaking again, you have heard it that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it's God's throne or by the earth because it's his footstool or Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. Uh, don't let your yes, I mean, uh, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. So Jesus says, hey, be true to your word. Let your word be your, let your, word be your bond. Isn't that what we used to say? Let your word be who you are. You know, we've, we've, this has become in the secular world, and I think maybe even, unfortunately, in our Christian world, you know, we've invented a term called the credibility gap. You know what the credibility gap is? That's, that's the gap between what you say and what people really think might be the truth. In other words, if you have no credibility gap, that means that when you say something, everybody believes you. If you've got a big credibility gap, it's because you've said things and you've really not kept your word on those things and you've got a big credibility gap. I guess what I'm challenging you to do is to minimize your credibility gap. 
to have no credibility gap at all. Now, there was a time when, when telling the truth and giving your word was so important. Here's a statement from Lord Edward Bullard Lytton, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's a politician, an English politician from the 1800s. And this is what he writes. He said, a man is already of consequence in the world when it is known that we can implicitly rely upon him. I have frequently seen in life a person preferred to a long list of applicants for some important charge, which lifts that person at once into station and fortune merely because he has this reputation, that when he says he knows a thing, he knows it, and when he says he'll do a thing, he will do it. Again from the scriptures, therefore each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully, Ephesians 4. Psalm 15, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and speaks truth in his heart. Ecclesiastes 5, 5, it is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Numbers 30, verse 2, when a man takes an oath to obligate himself to a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. Are you widening your credibility gap or are you shrinking your credibility gap? So here are some, some positive suggestions to keep your word. Number one, if you make an appointment, be on time. Be there and be on time. Uh, I remember going to lunch with Donnie Friendsley quite often, a pastor friend of mine. And, and like normal, I was late. And I got in the car and I apologized. And he said, it's okay. You're always late. He said, your generation is always late. And that was so very convicting to me. I was a young man. And that doesn't mean that I've never been late, but that day changed me because I said, I'm going to be on time for my appointments. I'm going to keep my word. If you say you're going to do something, do it even if it costs you. One of the things I've discovered is it's easy to say I'm going to do something and hard to follow through with it, right? So, so Monday night, Dave Anderson had invited me about a month and a half ago to go to Richmond for the, the prayer walk thing in, in Richmond with Capital Ministries. And David invited me to come, asked me to come, and I said I would come, and none of y'all wanted to go with me, so I left me by myself on Monday night, and I didn't want to go. I was tired. He wouldn't miss me, but I went. I guess maybe I went if I'm being real honest, <laughs> maybe I went because I was preaching on this subject. And I didn't want to, I didn't. No, honestly, I, I think it was a combination of that and it was a combination of love does. Because I thought this is loving David Anderson. So it was a combination of both of those things for me. My point is, you know, it's, 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 it's easy to say something, it's harder to follow through, but I'm challenging, grow in your integrity. Make your appointments be on time. If you're going to go, if you make an appointment, you got to, if you give your word, do what you're going to say, you're, do what you said you're going to do, even if it's hard, even if it hurts you. Think before you give your word. Here's number three. Think before you give your word. Uh, think of the implications. Consider the cost. Keep your word as valuable. So ask yourself, hey, can I, can I really do this? Seek the counsel of your family. We all have blind, blind spots, and some of us have terrible memories. So find a way to not overload yourself. And number, number four, learn to say no. I got to learn to say no. Practice saying no. I can't do that. As much as I want to, as much as I want to love on you and honor you, I just can't do that. Decide to choose integrity, choose brutal honesty, keep your word. And then my last, well, no, this isn't my last, I have two more, but they're real quick. Own your mistakes. Own your mistakes. If you're going to grow in integrity, uh, 
if you make a mistake, you know, I've already kind of talked about this one just a moment ago, but, but be willing to admit I'm wrong. So Rick and Kathy Box were having dinner and they really messed up her meal. And so she was talking to the manager and the manager left them and the manager went and researched her story and the manager came back and said to Kathy, we blew it tonight. We are so sorry. Your meal is on us and a special dessert is on its way out for you. Now, Numbers 5, 6 says, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and, and so is unfaithful and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong that they have done. The fact that the manager would fix Mrs. Box's meal or do what she did, you know, that just changed everything uh, for, for that family on that dinner. I'm challenging you, grow in integrity by owning your mistakes, fixing your mistakes, it, when, when they happen, when, when George W. Bush stood on the aircraft carrier with the backdrop mission accomplished behind him, y'all remember this? And then it turned out that the mission wasn't accomplished. And we had months and months and months of American lives dying. I used to say all the time, Mr. Bush, President Bush, why don't you get on the, sit at the Oval Office and, and, and tell everybody, hey, remember when I did that mission accomplished thing? I was wrong. You know, it wasn't accomplished. It's, it's been a whole lot harder than I thought it was. And people would say, yeah, and he can't do that. He can't be honest like that. That would hurt his presidency. I'm telling you, what I'm trying to say to you is don't worry about it hurting your presidency. Own your mistakes when you make them. I listened to a, a podcast this week, this past week, of Gordon McDonald. He's in his 80s now. He was a pastor. He wrote the book, Ordering Your Private World. And then when he had a, a failure in his life, he, he wrote a second one called Reordering Your Private World. But he was, he was, a, um, he was a, an advisor to President Clinton. In fact, he was like President Clinton's closest spiritual advisor. And so when everything went down with uh, the episode... Uh, with his impeachment and all of that, uh, Mr. Clinton and Mr. Uh, McDonald were together. And, uh, and Gordon said that he told Mr. Clinton, he said, hey, I wrote a speech for you, but I don't think it's anything that you would necessarily want to use. It's on repentance. And Mr. Clinton said, I'd like, I'd like to read it. I'd like to hear it. He said, are you sure? He said, you might find it hard. And he said, yeah. And so Gordon McDonald read him the speech. And, uh, and in the speech, Gordon McDonald wrote it from the vantage point of a person who was really, truly repenting, owning, owning the mistakes, being, being honest about what happened, what I did, why it was wrong. And that's what repentance is, by the way, everyone. It's, it's not fudging. It's not hiding. It's not, you know, sugarcoating it. It's just being honest about what you've done, what's been wrong. And so, um, Mr. Clinton listened, uh, President Clinton listened to that, and he said, I'd like to use that speech. And uh, Gordon McDonald said, well, no, I, I mean, I just, I just, I've written, handwritten it and whatever. And he said, no, I'd like it by in the morning. And so Mr. Clinton calls him really, really early the next morning, says, where's the speech? And he said, well, I'll have it to your office by nine o'clock. And some of us may remember this, I don't know if you will or not, but uh, there was uh, in, in the Clinton presidency a time when he came out into the Rose Garden by himself after, after the impeachment issues, and, uh, and he, he read a speech. And Gordon McDonald said he was sitting there in front of the TV because he knew he was going to use his speech. He said, but after, after all of his advisors and everybody had gutted 
that speech on repentance, it didn't sound anything. It wasn't a speech of repentance. It wasn't being honest anymore. And I'll tell you that story. Not, I'm not casting any stones at Mr. Clinton or, or anybody, right, or is it? I'm just simply saying it's so hard for us to be own up to our mistakes. And we live in a culture and a society that basically says you should never say you were wrong. You should never own it publicly. I'm saying to you, if we follow Jesus, we need to own our mistakes publicly uh, when they're public. Last thing, uh, share your secret. In that same interview with Dr. Uh, McDonald, uh, Gordon talked, to, he cited a survey that said basically 97% of us have a secret. I don't know if it's that high or not, but we have secrets. We have a secret that we wouldn't want anyone to know. And we're scared. We'd be scared to tell anybody the secret. Maybe it's a financial secret or it's a past secret of trust violation or it's, a, it's something we're ashamed of. We have the secret and we're, we, we're not willing to share it with anyone. And uh, can I tell you, and this is one of the things McDonald said, but it's true, it hurts to keep secrets. Secrecy, they, they say secrecy can be a tributor to uh, low well-being, worse health, less satisfying relationships, a whole litany of things. And, and people used to think that the reason why that was so was because we're hiding it. You know, we're having to always work to hide our secret from everyone else. And they've determined, how they determine this now, I don't know. But they've determined that it's not the hiding of the secret. It's that I live with the secret. It's that it's, it's in my heart all the time. And I'm living with it. And I'm thinking about it. In James chapter 5, verse 16, here's what God says. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. There's that word whole, that integrity word, and integrity and, and healed. Don't forget what we're talking about. We're talking about growing in integrity. And one of the things I'm suggesting to you to grow in integrity is to reveal your secret. Now, you would think, wouldn't you, that the church ought to be the best place for you to reveal your secret, right? But it's not. We're known, let's, let's be honest about that. We're known for our gossip. Or we're, we're, we're known for putting each other down. So uh, you, you go to an NA meeting, you go to an AA meeting, there's no judgment there. People, people readily admit their secrets there in the open and they don't feel judged. If only that could be so in, in our church family here. I'm not suggesting that you stand up here on Sunday morning and you reveal your secret. But can I, can I say this? Every time that happens, every time that happens, when a person in brokenness reveals their secret, every time, every time, you know what happens? Revival breaks out. I mean, God, God works. So I'm not, but, but we can't manipulate that. I'm not asking you to do that. But, uh, but here's what I would say. You can't tell everyone your secret, but you can tell somebody your secret. So if you want to grow in integrity, if you've got a secret, let's just say it's 97%, 3% of you don't have a secret, so that's fine, right? But if you've got a secret, if you want to grow in integrity, find someone that you can trust and, and share your secret. Be, be a person of, of integrity. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips, Maybe because an honest answer is rare and as valuable and as satisfying as a kiss on the lips. After his Sunday messages, a pastor of a church in London got on the trolley Monday morning to return to his study. 
He paid his fare and the trolley driver gave him his, his change and the pastor sat down and fumbled with the change, looked over, counted it about eight or ten times and he, you know, realizing that he'd been given too much change. His first thought was, it's wonderful how God provides. I've been there, done that. He realized that uh, he was, it was tight that week, you know, and boy, this, this little bit would pay for his lunch, right? So he was kind of excited about wrestling with the whole way down to his office. Finally, as he got off the trolley, he stopped by the driver. He said, sir, you gave me too much change. The driver said, no, no, I, I didn't. I didn't make a mistake. I gave you what I wanted to give you because you see, I was at your church last night when you spoke on honesty and I thought I would put you to the test. Will you join me this week in growing your integrity? Let's pray. Father, we want our character to be like that of our Savior. We want to be like Jesus. Lord, help us to love like Jesus. Help us to do love, Lord. Not, not operate on feelings, but operate on doing good to those around us, even to our enemies. And Lord, would you help us this week as we're still working on growing in love? Would you help us grow in integrity? Would you help us strengthen our honesty, shrink our credibility gap, so that indeed, Lord, we, uh, you know, we might uh, be men and women who are whole. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Be blessed.